This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I want to bring you a message entitled Liminal. Liminal. And we're going to go to guess what book? Mark, guess what chapter? Five. Because guess what? They made it to the other oh, somewhere. Where'd they make it to? The other side. They made it to the other side now. We've been studying where God said, as Jesus is in the boat, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, we're going to go to the other side. And it doesn't matter what anybody tells you. When Jesus says we're going to the other side, how many of you know you're going to make it to the other side? Amen. But storms happen on the way. Troubles and trials and problems occur. All right, so we've been working through that. But how many of you understand that the way the disciples left this side and the way they, when they made it to the other side, that they weren't the same anymore? Amen. They were changed, okay? So let's read the word, and this is what happens when they get to the other side. The scripture says that they went across the lake to the region of the, of, and I always say Gadarenes, but this is a little different translation. And when Jesus got out of the boat, A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Okay? How many know what I'm talking about? This guy, nobody messes with him, all right? Well, night and day he'd live there among the tombs, and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, how many of you know when you see Jesus, things begin to change? Amen. He ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I thought that'd be a good question for some of us to ask. Come on now, amen. And uh, uh, in God's name, don't torture me, they declare. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many, 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 many demons, he's saying, inside of this man. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. And we'll stop there for just a moment and point something out to you. He says, don't send me out of the area because in this area they have been worshiping pigs, okay? The goddess of that area is a female pig. And so that's why they're, they're revered in this area. And these demons want to stay in this environment. And so, uh, and they beg Jesus, please don't make us leave this environment. And a large herd of what? Pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. Then the demons, notice this, and God spoke something to me in the last service. Then the demons begged Jesus to send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. Okay, he says, look, we'll leave the guy alone, but we want you to let us go over here to what they're worshiping. We want to get involved in their pagan worship. Let us go into the pigs, okay? The man and the demons have been drawn to that. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits, watch this, came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, watch this now, they suddenly rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Can I tell you what God spoke to me in the last service? I said, it's a shame when a pig won't even live with what a man's been living with. Come on now. 
It's a shame when, we, when, when the darkness that we'll allow, a pig wouldn't even put up with it, okay? Let me, that's, that's another sermon for another day. Come on now. Or I think there's either some other stories about men living with pigs. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. I know this is long, but bear with me. When they came to Jesus, listen to this, when they found who? Jesus, they also saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there. He was dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those, see, when you worship the, the, the powers of this world, when you encounter the true power, you don't understand it. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, watch this, they just got to the other side, and now what's happening? They're going back to the other side. side. How many of you know life's about a journey? Come on now. And Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. You you changed my life. I want to go with you. And Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Come on now, amen. So the man went away. I want you to notice what he did. He went away, and he began to tell it in the Decapolis, the 10 Roman regional cities, how much he became an evangelist. Isn't that awesome? How much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Isn't God good? Now, I told you in just a minute ago that what had happened was this. The disciples were on this side, and God had been teaching them. And we studied that last week. But he said, Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. In the middle of the lake, they run into a horrible storm, and the storm makes them think they're going to die. And they wake Jesus up, and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And and as they wake Jesus up, Jesus steps up, rebukes the storm, calms everything down, looks at them and says, why don't you have any faith? And and then they, they move across, and now they've reached the other side. Now, I can tell you this as a fact. Those men who got on the boat were not the same men who got off the boat. Let me tell you why. Because in the middle of the storm, their picture, their mindset, their thought about Jesus was elevated as their thought about themselves was decreased. You see, it's the journey that's going to change us. It's the voyage that's going to change us. And I want you to get that today. It was in the middle of that storm that they realized they weren't as big a deal as they thought they were. People say to me, Pastor, did you ever imagine your church would be where it is 26 years later? And I say, oh, it's nothing like I imagined it would be. But this morning I proclaimed the gospel to 214 nations of the world. God has done amazing things in 26 years. Do you know what? That little lady right there, she kind of summed it up. She came to me and she said this. She said, I married the most confident man in the world, and now I have you. That's what she said. I said, excuse me? She said, you have zero confidence. I said, thanks, I guess. What do you mean? And she said, no, you thought you could do it, but now you have confidence in the God who will never fail you. You see... That didn't change because of me. It changed because I got a better glimpse of him. And that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get a better glimpse of him because it's the journey that's going to change you and going to help you. I want to share another journey with you, and and, and I think this is a a really interesting story because how many of you understand that you, that you, you, you know, or would say with me, I would just like one journey there not to be a storm? Come on now. Plan a wedding, and what happens? It 
rains, outside wedding. You, <laughs> you plan something during the winter and it snows. Come on now. Because the storms always come. But I want to take you back in the history of our country to 1776. It is December 1776. The declaration has been declared just six months uh, or five months and so earlier in July. And in the five-month period, the volunteer army that thought they could conquer the greatest army in the world has been decimated, completely decimated. It is now the week or two before Christmas, and most of the men of the army of Washington have already deserted. They've left. They've abandoned. Now, there's still a small contingent of those men who have not left because they don't want to be criminals and they don't want to break their word, and they have declared that their their enlistment will end on January 1st by what they originally agreed to because they thought it would be a quick battle, and they agreed to a a six-month enlistment, and it would end on January 1st. And so they're all looking and packing their bags and waiting to get home. By all means, they're defeated beyond repair. Their struggle is great. But yet, a man by the name of Thomas Paine, one week before Christmas, writes some words. He writes an article, a a pamphlet called The American Crisis. This pamphlet would would prove to be the thing that would draw them all back together and give them one more desire to fight. These were his words, and many of you will recognize these words. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. With these words ringing in their ears, being proclaimed all over the camp, Washington gathers his army and they lay down with his generals the most, most daring mission. It's a make or break mission. And what they're going to do is they're going to gather every boat they can find and they're going to march from where they are to McConney's Ferry. When they get to McConney's Ferry, they're going to sail across the Delaware River into the sleeping camp of the Hessians. Now, they are not expected. But the only hope they have is somehow if they can go there without anybody knowing they're on the way. Because if someone identifies that they're coming, they're going to pick them off in the river and all of them will quite literally drown and will be washed away. Washington prays. Everyone's praying. How are we going to get to the other side in silence? As they begin to march, just praying as they go, suddenly, on this last moment, they finally got up enough nerve, they're finally going forward, a storm of unparalleled, one of the greatest storms in the history of our nation, sweeps down upon them in that valley. This storm begins to blister them with snow and ice, and, and, and it just becomes almost unbearable to push forward. It was so bad that as they walked toward McConney's Ferry, that these men, listen to me carefully, these men began to to be shaken, and then they began to be weakened, and and as they walked further, how many of you understand every time you start moving forward, storms are going to come? And they press on. Two men would die from frostbite. Two men would lay down and would no longer go forward as, those, as they died. And the rest of them, they said, you did not have to follow their tracks. All you had to follow was a bloody trail for miles as the feet of the army bled as they marched forward toward the Delaware River. 
They arrived at the Delaware River. They launched their boats and they sailed across through the storm. People wondering, what are we doing? Who could fight in this storm? But when they reached the other side and the storm abated, they took the town. The the Hessians asleep. They had expected to be there hours before. The Hessians have now drunk themselves into a Christmas stupor. They're asleep. And all of a sudden, the Americans surround the town. Watch this now. And only three Americans were killed. And over a thousand of the enemy were taken captive Because they won the victory on that day because a storm, listen to this, a storm kept the enemy from hearing they were coming. Can I tell you, the very thing that the devil sent to you and he thought it was going to knock you out, he thought it was going to take you down, he thought it was going to be the end of your life, is the very thing when you find the purpose of Jesus Christ in the middle of that storm. It's My goodness, I feel like preaching for a moment. It's the very thing that's going to bring you through because when you come through, your faith's not going to be in you, but in the one who controls the storm and you're coming out the other side to victory in Jesus' name. Would you give that kind of God a praise this morning? Amen. You're coming through. You're coming over. You're going to win by the blood of the Lamb. All right, Pastor, what do I need to do in the storm? Let me take you to another crossing because it's the crossing that will prepare you to achieve for victory. I want to take you to Joshua chapter number 3 and verse number 5. Joshua is facing his own storm. It's time to move forward. It's time to go to the next level. It's time to, to cross the Jordan and take the Jericho. Okay? They're going. It's time. And as they reach this place, I want you to see this. Joshua turns to his men and he says this. He says, Joshua told the people to do what? To help me with this. To do what? Consecrate Consecrate yourself. In other words, make yourself holy. For tomorrow, the Lord will do what? Um, Wow. Now let's read this the way that most of us read it. Live holy enough and you'll do great things for God. That's not what it says. What it does, it identifies two people or two entities in this situation. God, us. Our job, live holy. His job, do amazing things. See, most of us want to do holy enough that God will do amazing things. But no, no, no. We're supposed to live holy so God can do amazing things. See, it means you have to make radical decisions to to change who you are. Can I tell you what these guys did? They heard this, and the only thing they could really think of that they they weren't right in was they had not honored God's law, so they all grabbed a knife and went out into the wilderness and circumcised themselves. That's radical. Can I get an amen for that? But what they said was, I don't care what it costs me, I want to live in such a way that God can do something awesome. I want to live in such a way that God can do an amazing thing in my life, in my world, in my situation. My goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit of God as I'm talking to you today. Our job is not to do the amazing things. Our job is to line up with God's plan for our lives. And when we line up with God's plan for our lives, things begin to change. Let me bring you back to that demoniac that we started with. You see, because the journey is a threshold to change. And what we have to understand is what happened to the demoniac, he had what we call in the study of society a liminal moment. Many of you know what subliminal means, but let me tell you what liminal means, okay? He had a liminal moment. When something is liminal, it means that it's occupying a position at or on both sides of a boundary or a threshold, okay? So it means that you understand what it's like to be on this side and what it means to be like on that side. 
Washington's army on this side of the Delaware, they were an army that were defeated. They were just volunteers. They were just, just guys who were getting together trying to find a dream. But when they made it to the other side and they won the victory, they weren't the same men they were over there because now they were a conquering army and a force to be reckoned with. Why? Because through the storm, God changed them and it was a liminal moment. There was a before and an after. Most of us have those moments. We, graduation and from high school, it's before and after. You know, you, you look at your kids and you say, uh, they're, like, they're like, woo, I'm graduating. You say, you're going to regret that in about six months. Come on now, amen. Because it's a liminal moment. Baptism, we're having baptism in just a few weeks. It's a liminal moment because you come in and you have not yet declared that, that you're dead to sin, but then you go in and you're baptized and you declare that you're alive in Christ. Come on now, amen. It's a liminal moment. People have liminal moments right here all the time. It never fails. All of a sudden, the guy and I will walk out through there. And when we walk out through there, I always look back at him and say, it's not too late, son. And we get about here, and I look back at him, and he's like, keep going, Pastor. And I come right about here, and he stands there, a single, a free man. Amen. Come on now. Right. Well, not free. She's already got his heart. And then those doors open. And the moment those doors open... She comes out. I've already said to her back in her area, I've said, it's not too late to run. Come on now. And she's like, no, I'm going through it. And they meet me right here. And I look at them, and after a few things and some songs and a whole bunch of pretty sand and mush, come on now, I say to them, I now declare you husband and wife. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Come on now. Amen. And as I declare that to him, I say, you may now shake your bride's hand. Come on, amen. <laughs> no, I say you can kiss the bride because you are forever united as one. Now watch it. They came in single, but they let, it was liminal. It was a liminal moment. I want you to catch this, okay? Now I'm taking you through all of this to tell you that the journey from the other side, it's taking us somewhere. And I'm trying to bring this down, but I want you to see where this is right now. This man, he was living somewhere he had no business living. He was doing things he had no business doing. He was hurting himself and everybody that he loves, and he was doing it all because of the pain in his heart. Oh, well, when I say he was a demoniac all chained up, it seems further removed. But when I say some of us in this place have been too many places we had no business being. Some of us in this room, now my amen should be, I'm preaching better than you're carrying on. Come on now. Some of us in this room have done things we had no business doing. We've hurt ourselves and others, and we are doing it because of the pain that rules our hearts. When we reach that place, we have to understand that that same kind of change that happened in him can change in us. Because the man who lived as uncontrollable, with no, no self-control, no plan, no purpose in life, suddenly encountered Jesus. And after he encountered Jesus, he was not sitting there in his old rags trying to act like he was growing in Jesus. But the Bible said he put on new clothes, and he changed the way he was thinking because he had met Jesus, it was a liminal moment for him. Are you with me? Here's what I want to tell you today, that we as the righteous children of God have been given really one job, and that's to consecrate ourselves under the blood of Jesus Christ and to bring ourselves into submission to his commands and his teachings and to become a testifier of what he has done inside of us. And when we do that, we encounter Jesus daily on a greater and greater level, and there ought to be a change from who you were to who you have become because of you have had an encounter with Jesus Christ by making it to the other side. Can I get an amen? 
That's not as fun shouting about an army fighting a victory. It's fun shouting about Joshua going over. But I've come to tell you, God's come calling you over. And who you are needs to change. The way you talk when you're angry reveals if you've had a liminal moment. What you've got hidden just in case God fails you and you need to pull that thing back out needs to be thrown out because you've had a liminal moment. You see, liminal moments change B.C. to A.D. Liminal moments change that before to after. It's, you're never the same. Amen. And I've come to tell you that the storm may have come to your life so you'll find Jesus and never be the same. It's time for a change. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.